Ours is a time of chaotic activity, sensual education. Have it your way right away, right now, today. Ours is a time where the complete focus is on I, me, and my. The nations are in an uproar. Lawlessness is seen all over the television, all over the news. Shootings, talk of war, broken families, disease, pain, heartache. We are experiencing the blurring of the lines of reality and the redrawing of lines based completely on personal preference. We live in a time of ideological polarization, of ethnic polarization, of political polarization. Where, where, where does the church fit in to such times as these? Where, what, what's our place? Who are we to be in such days as these? Well, our text today provides the answer. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'm going to read for us verses 15 through 20. And then I'm going to share six things very briefly, very briefly, six things that I see from our text today. And I title this message, Between God and the World. Between God and the World. Keep your Bibles open, please, after the reading. It is important, this is where we get our instruction for how to live from. Hear Moses teaching God's people Israel. Verse 15, Deuteronomy chapter 30. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But, if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but you are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him. For he is your life. He is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Let's pray together one more time. 
eternal and all-wise God, our Heavenly Father, here is your word. Give light that we might see. Change us, transform us, make us more like Christ. We beg you today in the name of Christ. Amen and amen. I love the book of Deuteronomy. And our passage today, I'm going to give you a little context. Very important to always give context. Moses stands with Israel on the plains of Moab. The Jordan River is beyond. And Moses explains to this the second generation of Israelites who came out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He explains to this second generation who God is and God's covenant relationship with them. When you think about covenant in Scripture, covenant means the binding of God. In this context, the binding of God to God's people. And the binding of God's people to God. Moses will not enter the promised land, but he's been charged to teach these people, these people of the Lord, just before they go over to inherit the land that God promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Chapter 30 comes directly after a section where Moses has explained the blessings and the curses associated with God's covenant with Israel. Sometime, Lord willing, we're going to study this book together here at Atonement. It's very, very good. It's very fascinating. It's the bridge. I told the community Bible study uh, last week, it's the bridge between the Old Testament, between, excuse me, the, 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 the first five books of the Bible and the rest of the Bible. It's the bridge. It explains who God's people are. Chapter 28 explains what will happen if Israel listens, listens, listens. It explains what will happen if Israel listens to the voice of their God, if they obey his commands, if they hear what he says and they act accordingly. Chapter 28 also explains what will happen to Israel if they reject the voice of the Lord. In our, in our time today, there's one major overarching thing I want you to see. So if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this. Deuteronomy teaches who God's people are in relationship to God and how they are to live wherever they are in the world before God. The first thing I want us to see today is God forms his people through his word. God forms his people through his word. And I do think it's important here to go back just a little. In Genesis chapter 12, we see God call Abraham out of his father's household. And he tells him, I'm going to Bless the nations through you. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians, 
That was the Spirit of God telling Abraham the gospel. Good news. Well, God forms his people through his word. God spoke to Abraham. He commanded him, and Abraham obeyed. God promised Abraham that he would be God to him and to his descendants. Moses here now teaches these descendants. He teaches these descendants that they belong to the Lord. He instructs this new generation of what God's covenant is. God has specific instructions for his people as they enter the land of Canaan. He has specific instructions for his people for the duration of their lives in Canaan. We move on to the second point. God. God vitally connects himself to his people by way of covenant. God made a covenant with Abraham. We see that in Genesis 15 and in Genesis 17. He makes him this grand promise. He has him cut these animals in half and lay them down, and then God appears moving through them, and he says, if I break this commandment, may this happen to me, Abraham. God promised Abraham a people that they would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the the sand by the seashore. God brought that to pass. We're in the church today because God made a promise, and God kept that promise. To Abraham. I like to tell people, I think the church begins with Abraham. Begins with Abraham. Today I, I get the opportunity to teach our Gateway Juniors. And I'm going to teach them more about what the church is. That God promised to be God to Abraham and his children and their children and their children, all the way down to the point where they go down into Egypt, they become slaves in Egypt, and then God raises up a prophet, a deliverer in the person of Moses, takes them out of bondage through incredible miracles, and he guides them by his word. They go off into the wilderness because of unbelief, and yet God is with them the whole time, vitally, vitally connected to them by way of covenant. I told you Moses is not going to enter the land of promise, but Israel will. And Israel will continue to be God's people in covenant relationship with him long after Moses is gone, long after Joshua is gone. They will continue to be God's people there in the land of promise. Well, Deuteronomy also teaches what God expects out of his people. And here we see that God promises life to his people. God gives life. God sustains life. We see in verse 15, he says, choose life. Not in verse 15. (laughs) Down a little, he says, choose life. In verse 15, he says, see, I've set before you today life and death, Excuse me, life and good, death and evil. Israel, remember my words 
when you enter Canaan. Remember them and obey them. Don't turn away from them. Listen to them. Your life is bound up in connection with my instruction. Your life, your life. People who profess hope in Christ, your life is bound up in the instruction of the Lord God Almighty. We don't, we don't always act like that's true. Hence the reason for this particular message today. But I'm getting ahead of myself. The third thing I want us to see today, God wants his people, God yearns for his people to love him. He yearns for his people to know him and to know him deeply. We learn God's revelation, his unveiling. That's all revelation means, to unveil. We learn God's revelation of himself. How? How? Through his written word, right? Some people think, well, Sunday school's just a little, that's just a little too laborious. <laughs> oh, it's boring. I got better things to do. Bible study on Wednesday, Bible study through the week. Are you kidding me? Bible study, my own personal Bible study in the morning. Schedule's too busy. I got to, I got to get to work. I've got other things that I've got to do. See, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. The NAS says death and adversity. He sets before them the Word, the Word. God wants us to know Him deeply, to love Him deeply. Chapter 28 of Deuteronomy teaches that Israel will indeed rebel against the Lord, and as a result, God will exile them from the land of promise. But God will bring them back, and he did. God will bring them back, and God will also provide a Savior, which he has in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he provides a Savior for them and for all of God's people, including you and me here this morning at Church of the Atonement. I want you to look in Deuteronomy in verses 1 through 6. Moses says, and keep in mind, I told you he's, he's just talked about the, the blessings and the curses. They're going to go away to exile, and they're going to come back. And this is what he says. Deuteronomy 30, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. And when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you. He's cast them out because of unbelief and disobedience. And you return to the Lord your God. You return, you and your children, and obey his voice in all that I command you today with all your heart and with all your soul. Then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have compassion on you, and he will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. He scattered them because of 
unbelief. He scattered them because they neglected his word. Interesting, as Kurt has been preaching through Judges, there is a refrain that he says over and over and over and over again. And the people did what? They did what was right in their own eyes. They didn't care about God. They didn't care about God's word. They didn't care about the stories that were passed down about how God brought them out of bondage how he led them through a wilderness, how he kept them from enemies that wanted to absolutely destroy them. And I'm going to get a little ahead of myself here, and that's all right. We live in a time where it seems like God's church is attacked. Our freedoms are being attacked as citizens. Yes, that's true. But what is our perspective to be? Obey my word, says the Lord. Obey my word as you live in a land of wilderness. The scriptures teach us that Christ reigns in heaven by the Father right now. And we are his emissaries, his witnesses in his world. God wanted his people, Israel, in the Old Testament, I love it. My mother says, <laughs> the Old Testament is where you get your strength, she says. <laughs> when you read the Old Testament, Israel is a case study. They're a case study, a demonstration of what God intends for his people. They were to be a light to the nations. People came from all around when they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. People knew they belong to the Lord. Is that the same for us? Do people know whose we belong to? Do people know God is real when they look at our fellowship, when they look at your family? Do people know God is real, that there's something different about you? Verse 5. Oh, uh, verse 4, I'm sorry. If your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will take you. This is the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and the Lord your God. And anytime you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the covenant name of God. He gave it to Moses when he was on the mountain. I am that I am. A professor that I had in seminary said, I will be what I will be. The point there being is God is absolute reality. God defines what reality is like, not you and not I. God defines what reality is. Here, the covenant Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it, and he will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Now, that's the Old Testament's way of saying God will save you. God will give you new life. The Holy Spirit will come and live inside of you. God will do it. But how is he going to do it? How is he going to do it? Through his word. 
The fourth thing I want you to see is God wants his people to obey him. In our text today, we see that blessing follows obedience. Blessing from God follows obedience to God. Life, real life, follows obedience to God's word. True human flourishing follows obedience to God's doctrine. Disobedience is missing the mark of God's instruction. When I was a child and I disobeyed, I was punished. I was disciplined so that I wouldn't do that again, (laughs) so that I'd learn, that I'd learn and do differently. God explains through Moses here to Israel, if you don't obey my word, you go down the path that leads to death and destruction. There are people in our families, you all, who are going down that very road. There are people in my own family. Just this week, a decision one of my family members made, going down the road of destruction, raised just like I was raised, with the word of the Lord, but choosing, choosing rebellion because it feels good, not knowing that the end of that road is destruction. Blessing follows obedience. God wants us, his people, to obey him. Here we we see in the Old Testament over and over again, idolatry is condemned. It's the first commandment. Idolatry is condemned. Idolatry is anything that we replace God with in our lives. Atonement, remember, human destruction follows disobedience to God. In verses 17 and 18, Moses says, but if your heart turns away, if your heart no longer loves God's word and you choose to look elsewhere for life and you will not hear, meaning if you refuse to listen to the word of God, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. Do you know any people that used to be a part of this fellowship in particular who chose a different path and perished? It is absolutely heartbreaking. The fifth thing I want you to see here in the text is God loves his people. God loves his people. And here we just look over the the history of God and his people in the scriptures. God say God created humanity from the, the dust of the ground and breathed into him and her the breath of life and man became a living soul. God gave instructions about life. In the garden, our parents rebelled against that and death entered the world. God doesn't abandon them. He gives them a promise of a, a seed that'll, yet, that'll come and crush the head of the serpent. God creates more people through them. He comes to Noah. He destroys the world, yet preserves Noah and Noah's family. More generations come after Noah all the way to Abraham. Abraham, God tells him, he shows him the land that's going to belong to uh, him and his descendants. 
He tells them they're going to be slaves in Egypt. <laughs> and yet God delivers them. He saves Israel out of slavery in Egypt. God is patient with Israel even while they whine and complain in the wilderness. God continuously provides for his people, demonstrating that he indeed loves them. When Israel was in the wilderness, I used to hear my, my dad say this and my, my grandma um, quote this, Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 5, where it says, God says, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness, which was because of their rebellion. I've led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn off your feet. Isn't that amazing? To people who, who said, you should have you left us in Egypt. Why'd you bring us out here to die? Their shoes didn't even wear out. I mean, good gracious. I had to buy new shoes the other day <laughs> so I can walk right. God gave his people a great earthly kingdom with incredible influence when they obeyed. God exiled his people because of their sin to teach them the error of disobedience and the seriousness of his covenant with them. And at the right time, the scripture says, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem, to buy back those who were under the law so that they, i.e., we, might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. God loves his people, as Deuteronomy 30 here demonstrates. He loves Israel here in particular by raising up another generation to enter the land of promise. He could have wiped them totally out, started from scratch, but he didn't. He instructs them on how to be successful in the new territory. He, he loves them by giving them another opportunity to live in covenant relationship with him and by giving them a, a teacher to explain God's expectations and his standards. And you all, God continues to add to Christ's church generation after generation after generation until Christ returns. Hence, we and our place in the world begins to come a little more into focus. God formed the Church of the Atonement, did he not? He's preserved her all these years, hasn't he? Haven't veered off towards heresy. We're still on the road with Christ. God formed this local church, and he formed it to be in relationship to him. God indeed loves you today. And number six, and finally... God sends his people into the world for God's purposes, which means we exist to learn, to follow God's word, his instructions, his doctrine, so that the reality of God and God's purposes are displayed through us, through you, in a world that is in rebellion to him. You exist, in a nutshell, for God. And you exist in a world where rebellion towards God occurs to tell other, pe to, to tell other people the good news of Christ, to warn them of the eternal judgment of hell, and also to demonstrate what real living looks like. What real 
living looks like. Notice how Deuteronomy chapter 30 ends. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord. This is how you live, loving the Lord, worshiping the Lord, exalting the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. It means we take seriously the scriptures, that they take precedence in our life, in our families, in our world, in us. Brothers and sisters, we, the church of God, the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, stand between God and the world for God's purposes. I don't want us to ever forget that. We exist for God's purposes, primarily. God has chosen his people, the church of Jesus Christ, to demonstrate truth from error. Truth from error, right from wrong. God's justice from human injustice. Light from darkness. Gospel from heresy. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. I want to read a quote to you, and I shall soon be finished. This is a book called Theology and Practice of Mission. I like it a lot. (laughs) In Wales, in the early 1900s, a revival occurred. I've heard different people talk about it. It was an incredible revival, and all that means is God began calling people out of sin, out of darkness into life. People began understanding that Jesus is good news. But now when you go there, you don't necessarily see that anymore. Some of those same churches that were set on fire chose a different path. They stopped listening to the voice of the Lord. And a man named D.A. Carson, thinking about what has happened over the years, he says this, wider reading and some, thinking about that particular situation, wider reading and some humbling personal exposure to what God has done in various corners of the world during the past half century have conspired to forge an unshakable resolution within me. Should the Lord in his mercy ever pour out large-scale revival on any part of the world where I have influence, I shall devote all my energy to teaching the word, to training a new generation of godly pastors, to channeling all of this God-given fervor toward doctrinal maturity, multiplication of Christian leaders, evangelistic zeal, maturity in Christ, genuine Christian fellowship, and all of this I should have learned already from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, Acts chapter 6, verse 2, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 13 through 16, and 2 Timothy 3, 14 through chapter 4, verse 5. He's saying, I want to be so committed if God pours out another revival. I want to be so committed to educating God's people that when he dies, another generation will do that for another generation. Atonement exists for God's purposes in the world. Are you choosing 
life? Is your family choosing life? Or are you choosing death and evil? Which, which is it? Are you choosing the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus says to his people, you are the light of the world. The Spirit says, choose life that you may live. Let's pray together. Our God and our Heavenly Father, the world is yours. And Father, by your mercy, you continue to allow sinners like us to live. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship. Father, just as you, by your word, form your people, would you continue to form us here at Church of the Atonement? God, for the other gospel-centered churches in our area, in the Washington, D.C., Maryland, Northern Virginia area, would you continue to allow your word to go forward for people to be taught? God, would you draw people to love you, to honor you, to worship you, and you allow our worship and witness to ripple out into every area of influence you've given us for your glory, that people who sit in darkness might know that there is light and life in Christ Jesus. We thank you, our Father. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.